Welcome back to MSP Startup Stories, the number one podcast about how MSPs started their business. I'm your host, Jimmy Hansel. And on today's episode, we're sitting down with an MSP owner who worked in the financial industry in New York City back in 1995. When he left that business, he continued fielding IT requests from his former coworkers, and it turned into his first clients. Before he knew it, he had built an MSP. The learning process he experienced upon joining the channel is what drives him to continue to give back to this wonderful community of people. Let's get into the episode. All right, here we are. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm sure you just heard our wonderful intro. Right now, I'm here remote with a friend and partner of ours, Rafi. Rafi, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself for our audience? Sure. Rafi Jemgochin. I'm the owner of Triada Networks. I started Triada Networks in 2008 with my wife, and uh, we've been running it since. Thank you very much. And Rafi, today we're going to go through what it was like sort of before you ran your MSB, why the hell you decided to get into this crazy business. And then, you know, a little bit, yeah, yeah, good question, right? People ask themselves that all the time. Uh, A little bit about what it was like along the way and what days are like today and maybe some advice for your former self. So I'd like to just jump in. Could you just start and maybe give some background? Like what were you doing before you started the business? Yeah. So Right before starting Triado Networks, I had helped a small investment company start up as their CIO. And to kind of backtrack, give a, the kind of the broader history, I started out my first IT job I, I got when I was, it was 1995. Uh, I had just finished engineering school. I had done some engineering work. Some buddies said that, hey, you can make a hell of a lot more money doing IT. And I got an opportunity to work as in IT for a uh, an investment firm. In Manhattan, and we were, I was like the third person in the IT group. I knew computers, I grew up with them when I was a kid, but not a clue about networking, no clue about Novell. We didn't have Windows computers even then, it was DOS machines and, and all this stuff. So they brought me on board. I quickly learned, I kind of uh, started automate since I had some programming background, I started automating things. And eventually, I worked myself up to being the director of infrastructure. The company was acquired twice, was now part of a global firm, and uh, got involved with more cybersecurity-related stuff, started the first cybersecurity teams, uh, the first Active Directory teams. So we got involved with a lot of different parts of the business. The neat thing about it was the way the New York office was structured, it was like six or seven business units of different investment vehicles run underneath by like the same group of infrastructure. So we had the same IT team, same development team, same finance team, same accounting team. So when I left that company and helped a small company start up, a bunch of others started poking out too and starting up their own funds. And so that was kind of the opportunity to say, all right, wait, what I just did for my new employer, which was a guy from that company, I can maybe do for the same for these other guys. Because they were coming to me and say, look, I know you left. I know you're not with uh, that firm anymore. We're starting up this new fund. Can you help me start up too? And uh, that was when we got our kind of entrepreneurial itch to start a business. I can see the transferable skills or at least practice between, you know, the segmented business units and a centralized IT department, you know, that's like a a good precursor to MSP. Now today we say MSP all the time. Like did that- I had no idea what I was. 
I really did. <laughs> and, and it's funny because when uh, when I went to leave that firm and he became my first client actually, and then start up with these other investment firm, I was like, uh, look, you're, I'm splitting my time. You pay half my salary, you pay my half my salary. And that's kind of how I started. That was my first foray into pricing models. We were fixed price, essentially an MSP, but we didn't know what the heck we were doing. And it was, wasn't really until I started joining some of the industry groups. Right. So that was at 2008, end of 2008. And beginning of 2009, I was introduced to ASCII and I went to my first ASCII show and finally started, I started learning what an MSP is, what the tools are that people were using. I kind of started jumping really into that part of the channel as well, really getting involved. And what was really cool was I found that here were all these people in my same town, people in New York, in New Jersey, that I'm essentially competing with, freely giving of themselves to like, hey, this is what I'm doing for my business. And it really helped us move forward, which is, you know, probably one of the reasons why I still try to keep as active in the channel as I do, because I know that that was me, you know, 13, 14 years ago, needing help, trying to figure things out, et cetera. So talk to me a little bit about that time period, because it, it wasn't exactly the most stable financial time period. And to be starting a business then, and then, you know, working with a lot of financial sector and in New York, like yeah. what was just the climate like at that time? Yeah, it was, it was super unclear. And that's kind of actually how we end up rolling. You know, I graduated college and, and it was the middle of a recession. So, you know, you kind of did what you had to do. As a family, we did a lot of weird things at different times that you wouldn't think, you know, put an addition on your house when you had three very small kids and you had to move into with your parents, you know, those kind of things. So we, we made those kind of weird decisions along the way and starting a business with now four small kids and a very unusual market where we didn't really know what was happening. I had in be kind of, the, there was a sliver of time in between where I was doing a little bit of consulting work for another firm that most of their business came from the hedge funds and their entire book of business dried up overnight. As Lehman closed, as these others closed, it kind of completely went away. And that was gonna be my foray into building a practice. And then, I, then it was just like, all right, I'm doing this on my own now uh, and, and kind of went with it. So it was, it was, it was tricky, but what ended up happening was, which I think ended up being kind of serendipitous in some way was that a lot of these guys were, as these large firms were downsizing and they didn't want to deal with all this additional regulatory pressure, they said, I can do this better and I can do this smaller and nimbler and faster without all the baggage of the past. And so a bunch of people started creating their own funds. So we actually, it was a, almost a mini boom for us where we were able to find these, uh, especially from that firm, the firm that we all worked at, many of them, my first clients all came from the same place. They were all people that I had been working with for 10, 12 years. So I, I automatically had some credibility with them. They already knew who I was. It's kind of spoiled me for sales and marketing kind of going forward from that. But in that beginning, it really helped us a lot because it gave us that really solid foundation to work from. Wow, that's really interesting. It's some parallels to today and even like 2020 period. I've seen so many MSPs come up mm -hmm. out of the chaos successful. Did you have days where, um, I, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but did you have days where you're looking back like, what the hell am I doing? Like questioning yourself? <laughs> I still do. <laughs> I still do. I still have the days that I, you know, don't let the gray hair fool you. Uh, there's still days that I, I figure out like, what were we thinking? How did we get to where we were? 
it's cool about doing these kind of things is you 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 spend a little time reflecting uh, and you see the good decisions that you made, whether they were done in a uh, an intelligent way or not, or you were just you know dumb luck, or the, maybe the things that you didn't do uh, right along the way, and and you flexible you kind of reflexively think about that kind of thing and say, all right, that was a lesson that I learned. It was a harsh lesson. You know, one of the early lessons I learned was get paid up front for hardware. You know, we uh, we happened to sign one of our, our best clients. It was our first client. We had done this camera job for them where we had bought these high-end security cameras. Not something that I really wanted to get involved with, but it was just, he asked me to do it. We did everything for them. So they, you know, we did it. So we signed up with this really high-end video camera company. And so we were one of the few, I guess, dealers, partners, whatever, that could get this product. And there was another managed service provider that needed the same cameras. He couldn't get them. So we helped them out. So we, we, we ordered them, we, we shipped them to them. Then they went off the map. So it was kind of, it was a harsh lesson to learn early in, in our business to say, okay, regardless of who the person is, reputation-wise, whatever, we need to make sure that we uh, we cover ourselves on that kind of thing. So that was kind of my first, I would say, first lesson in the financial side of being a business owner. First of many? Yes, definitely one of the first of many. I mean, the finance stuff was probably, I had done a little bit of accounting in college. And I, when I when I became a manager at that, at that investment firm, I went to get my MBA because I figured, oh, I'm a manager. I need to get an MBA. So uh, you learn nothing, by the way, uh, doing that. But what I what I ended up doing, there was an accounting class in there. So I had some basics of what accounting was, but not to the extent of how to deal with what a true PL is and, and, and understand that. That was kind of the beginnings of, of really under, trying to learn that aspect of it. That was a, an early lesson for good or better. If you don't mind, could you walk me through like the first couple of years? Like how do you how did you go from you just left your job? IT consultant is probably what you call yourself, uh, split between two people. Uh, I assume taking the the train into the city each day, you know, juggling between two offices to, you know, maybe a couple years later with your first employee or a couple employees, like what were those first couple of years like and, and how did the transition go? I immersed myself into a lot of education that was available. Some of that was were shows early on. This is probably a little bit before your time. There was this thing called MSP University. There was a you know a number of other uh, groups that that kind of propped up. This is kind of a little bit before most of the, like the current peer groups were, and so that was kind of our first learning about how how to structure a business that actually provides the services. I knew the technology. I, I was deep in that. I understood my vertical, which we hadn't really started actively marketing to. It was just, that's just where we came from. And so that's where our clients were from. But it was trying to figure out, all right, what does it mean for us to go to market with this thing? Structuring, how do we grow without having to to uh, grow? It, as you know, it's not cheap living in this part of the country. And, uh, you know, having uh, four small kids at the time, there were a lot of expenses. So we, it wasn't easy to, let's say, reinvest a lot into employees or bringing uh, employees in because hiring employees even then still very expensive in this part of the country. So we, 
we started doing kind of strategic outsourcing. We started working with outsource help desk companies or remote support thing uh, companies. So for a while, that's how we helped scale ourselves until we got to a point where, okay, now we need we nearly need to bring this back in house. And really, the only reason, main reason we did it was to improve our service delivery. Otherwise, I would have stayed on that. Like the last thing I wanted was really employees to manage and deal with. Uh, I had a better we had a better way to, to deal with the, these, uh, these, uh, contract, not contract employees, but these companies, the partner companies that worked with us to, to help, help us scale. Essentially. The one thing that was great about setting up that way was it allowed me to separate myself a little bit from the daily grind of help desk work. And so even though I could obviously do it and probably run, I ran rings around most of the the people that we had to hire to do that. You know, Gary Pika says that, you know, you can, as a business owner, you can order pizza better than the next guy. You know, I felt that with, you know, and, and the problem with being a, a technical guy, you know, that's your strength. And I'm, I'm trying to like, not do what I'm strong at and then go do the things that I'm not strong at, like sales and, and uh, enable it. But it allowed me to focus on those things that, because I was paying for these people to do this stuff, that to kind of push as much down, not down, but over to them as I can. And so now when we brought on employees to do that, it helped me kind of structure that. So now, we, you know, daily tickets is not really something that you know, as an owner that I get involved with, I help them out when they need it, if they have questions, you know, whatever. But that's, I'm still kind of the level three tech, so to speak, but it still allows me to kind of separate that. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the uh, the way it helped me, I think, in some ways, separate myself from that part of the of what we did operationally. Yeah. Like how was that separation in the beginning? So going from actually going in, talking to the client, you know, installing the server, setting up the AD, whatever it was to working on the business, yeah. looking at your, your packages as a whole, looking at, you know, outsourcing versus insourcing, you know, bringing on this outsource help desk. Like, was that a natural thing for you? Or was that something that, you know, I, I, as a technical person sort of took some learning? Yeah, it definitely took some learning, but I guess one thing that if anything, I, I'm, I don't know if it's a, it's a term or I came up with it, I don't even remember anymore, called functional laziness. So it's the idea is like, I hate doing things twice. And so if I have to do it twice, there's a problem. I, I'm gonna be really, really moody about it. And, and people know when I'm, I'm not happy. I kind of wear that on my, uh, uh, wear my emotions on my sleeve sometimes in that way, for better or for worse. So one of the things that we, it did was allow, I heavily focused on automation and then started after I learned that if by not documenting things properly, whether it's an employee or whether it's an outsourced company, they're going to not do a good job. If I don't show them how it's how I would like to get things done and I give them a wide berth, it's either not going to happen or it's not going to happen the way that I'll, I'll be happy with. So what we ended up doing that led me down that documentation path, this SOP path, and me being a, not somebody that likes to do that, it forced me to do it because I, one thing I liked doing less than uh, documenting is doing things more than once. And so that's where it, it led me down. One thing you said a little bit earlier that I wanted to dial back into, you mentioned that 
you didn't necessarily go in with a vertical focus from the start, where it's something that a lot of people are recommending, you know, if you're starting an MSP, you want to set yourself apart, go with a vertical focus. It just sort of happened naturally because that's where your initial clients came from. Was there ever a point, like what was, was there a tipping point where you're like, you know, I focus on financial markets or financial companies? Walk me through that a little bit. You know, in the in the beginning, like you said, you know, most of our initial clients were were investment firms, and it was about four years in, and we were doing some. I don't know if it was part of a peer team or what. I was doing an analysis of kind of where our money comes from, not only where from a top line point of view, but where our most profitable clients, and they were all financial clients. And so we looked like, all right, so if we're doing this, and these are our best clients, and if we're going to set this up as our avatar then let's change everything else out. Let's change the way that we are presenting ourselves to the outside world. We're already there operationally. It's just a matter of telling people. And if if somebody comes to us that's not in finance, that's still a fit, we'll take it, whatever. But at the very least, we're going to throw out the net that's appropriate, I think, for the kind of catch that we want. And that's kind of what we... And so I think that's what it came from. I can't quite remember exactly what it was, but that was when we, I definitely remember it was about four years in, we said, all right, we're going to be the guys for finance. We started looking at that market differently because, you know, in New York, you can shake a stick and hit an MSP. It's not an, as a small guy competing with these giant MSPs that were coming in, and we started seeing some of the larger, really large ones, like the copier companies coming into town. And I realized that there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with these guys with the amount of money that they have behind their marketing. The only way that I can really compete is compete on where we're our strongest, which is with our industry vertical. And even within that, the competition is pretty fierce. But at the end of the day, you know, we're winning deals from the giant ones, the giant ones that deal with finance. And then we're winning deals from the ones that are MSPs that are generalists because companies come to us because by reputation now, we're the guys for that small investment firm that needs, you know, the right kind of stuff. That's, you know, not to pat myself on the back. That's not what I'm saying it for, but that's, that became a, a changing point. And actually, if you look back at our finances, um, you can see that we popped up in the beginning and we were flat for the first four years. And then when we made this change, you now see this shift in our uh, inbound sales. So now we're looking at, all right, so now we're no longer working off of that initial burst. Now we're building something that becomes kind of interesting. And then, you know, it tails off a little bit, but now we're on that other growth, that other end of that growth end. So now we're seeing that aspect of it. People are coming to us as, as opposed to necessarily us having to seek them out as much as we uh, we did in the past. And, you know, the common counter to niching down or doing exactly what you did is, well, I don't want to limit myself from other potential clients. Was there any fear on that when you made that change? Yeah, uh, there was. Um, you know, I wasn't about to fire the companies that I had uh, that were outside of that niche, but I think all but one slowly faded out just because they either realized that we were really not a fit for them. You know, I think other than our largest firm, who's been a client of ours now for 11 years, so they joined us in year two, they, uh, you know, they're almost entirely, they came to us knowing that we were a company that uh, that focused on financial companies. So, 
even the, you know, we, we picked up a couple of law firms along the way. They know that we focus on finance firms. It's very clear. You look at our website, our language is all about finance firms. There's, there, we, there's nothing hidden about it, but they're still coming to us. So now looking back, it's like any fear that I did have was unwarranted because ultimately it came. Not only did it come, those companies still came, came to you, but the right kind of companies also came to you. It's interesting, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I don't know if I should do this. And then it's like, man, maybe we should have done that sooner. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, 100%. That was the thing that kicked me in the pants. Like, look, clients one, two, and three were all investment firms. And not only investment firms, they were very specific kinds of investment firms. They were companies in the alternative asset management space. And that's like a niche within a niche. And so we became that. We became the, that company that dealt with it. And I, 100%, I wish I did that sooner. If I had probably started marketing to that sooner than four or five years in, you know, I think we would have been better off. But, you know, you live and learn. That's part of it. Yeah. I want to transition to a little bit about like day-to-day today. You know, I have a good sense of what it was like starting your business, the come up, some major changes that, you know, you made along the way. But like, what's life like for you now, both business-wise and, you know, personally that you've been running this thing since 2008? It's allowed me to do some things that I wouldn't have otherwise probably thought of doing, you know, whether it's, you know, I ran for office twice, you know, I was volunteered on this, was on the school board, did a lot of coaching, you know, ran the soccer programs in town, you know, so it afforded me a lot of different things that by the way uh, we structured uh, the company that I, I had time to do these other things as well. And so the one thing that you'll learn about us is that we're really small. We're still really small. And I kind of like it that way. You know, it it makes some things a little bit hard uh, when it comes to scaling some parts of operation, but I still would prefer this aspect of it because our clients still want to be able to engage with me directly when it comes to certain things. And they know that my employees are, are an arm's length from me. So it's, it makes that cohesiveness. And as we grow a little bit, I don't see us getting ever getting kind of this one turn into this massive thing. So from a daily point of view today, it's allowed me to do these other things. Like I, in 2019, I ran the channel program for uh, another, another vendor. Uh, most recently now I've taken on an additional role for, with a SaaS company that's in the channel as their chief information security officer and channel evangelist. So affords me the, the ability to do that because I know these other things are being taken care of. My team now has a good, solid process and base to help support our clients. And if I bring a new client on and I we onboard them together, I'll know that they'll be able to kind of manage and maintain that. Part of that is that the structure of how we support companies has changed. Shift to cloud has changed that a lot. The shift towards more dealing with Things like identities, cloud applications, SaaS, all this has changed the difference. You don't have the need for somebody to go in and turn a screwdriver as much as you did a few years ago. And so that that aspect of the business has allowed us to change kind of the way that our, how we operationally work. And so that's that's how how things are. So I I made an effort. We were at a conference together in Chicago. The only time I ever opened my laptop was to do some some random non-work-related stuff. It was 
you know, I didn't touch a ticket. I didn't do any of that stuff. I maybe answered some Teams messages with, with my employees during the week, but it's one of those things where now it's we've come to a point where things kind of mostly run themselves. And so that's the difference between today where then say even a few years ago where I felt like I was always the, you know, they say, you know, the duck is calm on top and the feet are flapping underneath. That was my feet. That was me flapping under underwater, trying to keep us afloat and kind of making sure that everything is running. I, I have a better comfort level. Maybe it's my age, better comfort level about that. Things are going to get handled and, and deal with. And it's, it's, it's partly it's maturity and understanding that, your employees are professionals too. They're going to do things that are, they're not always going to be done your, the way that you want it. And you have to give them a little bit of grace in order to allow that to happen and learn, ask questions and figure things out. And that's okay. And I was always fearful of that. And it was partly, it's, it's how we parented a little bit. At some point you have to stop rescuing your child and, and you have to do the same thing with your employees too. Something that you said earlier, I wanted to uh, ask you about is uh, you mentioned a lot of community involvement. So the school board, running for office, sports teams. Do you think like that contributed a lot to the success of your business or was it just maybe a byproduct of running a small business and being involved in the community? Yeah, I, th- I think it was more of a byproduct. Uh, we never leveraged it for business growth in the sense like we see a lot of some of our peers that are really get active as their company in the community. And as a result of that, it turns into potential work. We never looked at it that way. We looked at it from a point of view of the company provides us a a living and, and the ability to be able to help and give to others, whether that's the community, whether it's our church, whether that's charity, whatever. These are all the things that it affords us to do, not necessarily for business game. Like same thing with like, you know, we joined, I joined the Rotary years ago. I thought, okay, this is a social organization. It's not really a business organization. And that was kind of my thinking was, it's really all about, it's really more about the service than it is about, did I get business from it? Yeah, we did get some business from it. Not the right kind of business, but it was right. We we did get some business for it. It was almost negative because you ended up saying yes to people that you otherwise would not have looked at them as a potential client. That's another thing. It's it's actually a thing that I still struggle with is saying no to people. And so when, if somebody comes to us that needs help with, I tend to want to help them out. But yeah, I, I, I don't think that was the re that wasn't really the reason. And it wasn't really the outcome for us from a community, which I think is different than maybe others have uh, experienced. So I want to close things up here. And maybe if you could address yourself a couple of years ago, maybe even, uh, when you were at that growth point, you know, that you're talking about that four years of flat before going up again, what advice might you have for yourself or someone who is in a similar position currently? Look, you're going to make mistakes. There are very few mistakes that you make that are really permanent. So you're going to have to make those choices. And ultimately, they're your decisions. It doesn't matter. You can get the advice of everybody. One thing is that I tend to be very open, but also very decisive sometimes too quickly, but that's okay. Make those decisions, make those mistakes. Ultimately, they're going to be things that you're going to learn from. And that's the key is learning from them. If you don't learn from them, you know, it, that could be a problem, but ultimately that's the thing. And if you kind of think back and look back, there are certain areas where at times I, that I wish 
that I did more and for various circumstances I didn't, that was the time that I probably should have been pushing down on the pedal, so to speak, and really going hard. I think we would have been in a different place than we are if I had done that. But again, you know, if you ask me from where we are today, if, you know, four years ago, three years ago, we would be here. So if you look at like the, you know, four year span, then the next four year span, and then the last four year span, like that middle period, I wouldn't have thought this last four years would be as where we would be compared to where we were, you know, where we were in the beginning. So did some things take time? Yes, many people grew a hell of a lot faster than I did, but ultimately that's okay. I eventually got to where I needed to be. That's great. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and answering all of our questions. Uh, we really appreciate it. Any closing thoughts you'd like to give? Probably if you're listening to this podcast, you're already involved in uh, a lot of different things. One thing that I, I still recommend is, you know, still get involved in various groups in the channel. Ultimately, we're all going to, it's all of us that are is going to rise together. Listen to your peers, but, you know, do yourself, you know, do your homework and get it done. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, thank you.